feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And here you are on the Rita Cosby Show, another big night about Russia and Ukraine and some really brutal acts coming from the Russian military. We have gotten word that they are continuing to target civilians with this sort of fake guise of humanitarian evacuations. They tried to do it a couple times over the weekend And now there have been reports as as women and children primarily were evacuating, some of the areas were mined. Some of the areas that they were leading them to actually went to Belarus and to Russia, both, of course, dominated by Russians. So that's not exactly where these evacuees want to go. And reports of mothers and children being killed on the bridge and elsewhere in numerous cities throughout Ukraine. And through all of this, everybody believes that Russia is getting desperate, particularly Putin is getting absolutely desperate. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to where you see this battle going. Do you think that the Ukrainian military can indeed thwart off the Russians? So far, that big, massive convoy has only been inching along, and the latest reports are in that convoy It's mostly tankers and a number of other things, but not tanks. So where are the military tanks? Have they moved to another location, which could be an ominous sign? Or are they indeed pulling out? What is actually happening? And do you think that Russia is planning for an all-out assault from a whole bunch of different directions? And the latest, we are getting reports that up to 100 Ukrainian civilians have been killed and that they are now indeed targeting the Kiev region, which is the capital city. So it appears that Russia is planning for an all-out assault and a brutal one. What should the world do? What do you think we should do next? Should we have a no-fly zone? Should we supply planes to Poland? There's a report that Poland would agree to give its Russian MiGs over to the Ukraine because they know how to fly them. They know how to use those. They have pilots that are able to fly those. And then America would backfill the planes to Poland. So Poland would give Russian MiGs, which the Ukrainians could put up into the sky right away and attack the convoy and do a whole bunch of other things. And then we, America, would supply the planes. Is that a good solution? And what about going after Putin as a war criminal? I think there is no doubt tonight This guy is a monster. He is out of control. And I think the International Criminal Court should put basically a label that he is a war criminal, that he's an enemy combatant. I mean, if you look at the brutality of what he's doing, it is unbelievable. And this comes at a time when our gas prices have hit an all-time high, the average price of gas hitting an all-time high in America. And so coming up in just about 10 minutes or so here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk to great economists with FreedomWorks and also the Heritage Foundation, Steve Moore, and get his take on how much he thinks this could go even higher. 
and how much could oil go even higher? And also, how much have the Biden administration's policies played a role in our escalating energy prices? They're like, oh, now we're going to basically do a deal with the devil, it looks like. We're looking at doing a deal with Iran. We're basically going over like lapdogs over to Venezuela to say, oh, Maduro, I know that you're ruthless, that you're terrible, and we didn't want to do anything with you, but now we need your oil. Just think if we have been energy independent this whole time. It is unbelievable. And we have still not at this moment here banned the import of Russian oil to the United States or to other countries. Shame on us and shame on the world. That's how I feel. You know, it's only 10 percent of our oil, but it would be an enormous message to Russia that we are not going to be paying blood money that ultimately is going to be helping the Russian military fund these brutal, horrible, despicable attacks that we're seeing now on Ukrainian civilians, particularly women and children. Take a listen. This is Fox contributor Rebecca Heinrichs talking about why she thinks Putin is just so ruthless and why the Russian military is just going all out right now. Vladimir Putin's intent is not just to carry out a military campaign to destroy these military targets. It's to break the will of the Ukrainian people and to erase their identity as Ukrainians. And what I love tonight is that Zelensky is not only doubling down, he's tripling down. He's saying, I'm not leaving my country. I am staying and fighting. Uh, he just got an award from it's a Ronald Reagan Foundation, basically a hero award. This man is an amazing man. I love his guts. I love his courage. And he's just got to stay alive and stay leading his country because right now they are giving Russia a run for their money. And boy, is Putin, I think, a ruthless thug. And by the way, I think there's an interesting idea. A lot of people are saying, don't just label Putin a war criminal. Label his generals. Label his military leaders as war criminals. Put them all up so they're held accountable, so they can't just say, oh, I was just following orders. If they are also labeled war criminals, they could actually be taken in. Think about this. So what is the world waiting for? Take a listen. Here's a little more of Rebecca Heinrichs on that point. The war of propaganda is so important here. Vladimir Putin has painted himself as this great leader in the Christian faith because of the Russian Orthodox Church, of course, in Russia. The Russian people should understand he is a war criminal. The behavior of the Russia, he is leading these generals to commit war crimes. And it's only going to continue until, um, you know, until Zelensky says enough. And we're not anywhere near that. And even Secretary of State Tony Blinken says that They have evidence that women and children have been targeted and also use of cluster bombs. That is a war crime. We've seen very credible reports of um, deliberate attacks on civilians, which would constitute uh, a war crime. Uh, We've seen very uh, credible reports about the uh, the use of certain weapons. Uh, And what we're doing right now is documenting all of this, uh, putting it all together, uh, looking at it and making sure that uh, as uh, people and the appropriate uh, organizations and institutions investigate whether uh, war crimes have been or are being committed, uh, that um, we can uh, support uh, whatever whatever they're doing. So uh, right now, we're looking at these reports. They're very credible, uh, and we're documenting everything. And there are Ukrainian teams that are hunting for possible evidence of war crimes as well. And we have seen just some horrific video of evacuees who are literally leaving And you see that suddenly a bridge is blown up. 
by the Russian military as they know that there was an announced ceasefire and these people were told to evacuate safety. So now there are people in the city of Mariupol, which is a major sort of port city, and there they are. They are panicking right now because they have no food. They have no water. They've cut off electricity to them. And now they basically said the only evacuation route, what a surprise. First of all, it walks by a nuclear power plant, and then it ends up in Belarus. Does that sound like that's a walk to freedom? My goodness, the way that these people are acting, this is absolutely frightening, and it makes you wonder what do they have in store. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. How do we stop this monster? one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Tom in Nassau County, New York. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, once again the world forgets history repeats. They did this with Hitler. Let him take a little, he'll go away. This guy is ruthless. General Patton would not shake the Russian generals' hands. They're barbaric. And what you have to do is everybody's scared of war, but it's inevitable. We should be supporting these people. They're more concerned with uh, uh, BLM over here. These Ukrainians are being slaughtered and raped. And they always take our back, and we always leave Poland hanging in the middle. Everybody man up over here. This is part of life. If you got to go fight, you go fight. Everyone stop being a baby. So the question is, too, Tom, is it sort of inevitable? Because if it is inevitable, I mean, even Putin came out over the weekend and said, hey, anybody who has sanctions or anybody who is a part of the no-fly zone. Now, the no-fly zone is not in place, and in fact, the U.S. has said they're not going to do it. But... In terms of the sanctions, at least tepid sanctions have been in place, even though not, I don't think, the right ones. They haven't done the oil and, you know, the oil and gas, which is outrageous. Um, but even with sanctions, he has said, you're a party to it. So so is it, I guess, a sense that it's inevitable? Like, so, so maybe we should just go in. What do you think? It is. We had them under control when, when Trump put the gas pipeline here. His economy was shot. When Biden let him... When Biden shut this, he allowed this guy to make billions of dollars to arm this. Cut him off. They have no economy there. That's it. And the other thing is they want to get back into the Ukraine to get back into that. It's all about, you know, minerals and, 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 and gas and oil. We had him cut off. Trump had it all under control. Biden is part of this Russian thing. Everything we accuse Trump of, Biden's the Russian collusion. Since he's president, this guy's running wild. So... People better wake up. Yeah, it is. Get boy, ass going and cut them off. Boy, is it a wake-up call. I'm with you, Tom. Thank you. Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan, what do you think in terms of the Biden policy, and how concerned are you for Ukraine? Well, Biden made a, a big mistake, a blunder, that Trump would not have made. In November of 2021, Biden made a secret charter deal with Ukraine to, to come into NATO and uh, European Union, and that's what kicked this thing off. Biden don't have the brains uh, Trump has, and Ukraine's got topsoil 100 foot deep. They're the bread, they're the bread basket the size of Texas, both of them being the same size, and they feed a lot of the part of the world. And you can't eat oil or drink oil and eat gold. you got to have food. Now, we get 60% of our fertilizer from Russia, and China and the farmers in our area aren't going to plant corn because fertilizer is too expensive. They're going to plant soybeans. It takes less fertilizer. And NATO and China and Russia, they're all drooling at the mouth. 
because of that food coming out of Ukraine. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's it's, it's, causing all these problems. No, you and you know what, by the way, the you bring up a point about food because there is so much issue right now with food insecurity um, and the issue of food that is really like the breadbasket of the world. A lot of people haven't even talked about those repercussions as well as oil and gas and so many of these other things that we're talking about. Um, great points. Let's go to Brett in New York. Brett, your thoughts about all of this and how concerned are you of where this is headed in Ukraine? Yeah, it's very bad, but uh, thanks for taking the call. You know, before I get to my comment, I wanted to say it's about time we bring back the horses into the cities because sooner or later it's going to cost more to fill up your gasoline than to buy a horse, and maybe we should use that. But I was Yeah, but, yeah by the way, you're that, right. Those horses are looking pretty good as transportation. You know? And what about yeah. someone like, what about a skateboard? That's going to look pretty good, too. Yeah, and they actually have the electric scooters, so maybe uh, that would be an option as well. But here's why I called, because Joe Biden said, and other people of his administration, we're not going to put any boots to the ground on the ground in Ukraine. And my issue with saying that is I don't think we should send our military into Ukraine to help them fight. You know, but we shouldn't be telling Putin that we're not going to put any troops on the ground. We shouldn't be sending him a message of weakness. We should tell him we have all the options on the table and he shouldn't be in a position to say, uh, oh, we don't even have to consider the U.S. mixing into this war militarily. You know what, Brett? I 1,000% agree with you. The problem is it's like the genie's already out of the bottle because Biden already right away said, we're not going to put troops there. And then he also said, oh, if it's a minor incursion, we may not do anything. Remember when he said that? It was like, what? Like, Like in two breaths, he said he took the threat of us sending troops in off the table and then basically said, hey, if it's a tiny little thing, we probably won't do anything. I have never heard a world leader, especially the leader of the free world, tip off an adversary like that. And But it's a little hard to now backtrack and say, hey, we might put troops in. You know, it's like I don't think Putin is scared of, you know, of Biden whatsoever. And I think he feels like the world has just been kind of tepid. These sanctions clearly are not working. I mean, he's just kind of hammering, hammering away, and he's getting more and more vicious, and he's trying to pull the U.S. in. Um, You know, on one hand, you don't want to take the bait. You don't want to send our U.S. troops in if we don't have to, certainly. And it's a very dangerous war, too, that we're talking about with the Russians. The guy's a nut. Um, But on the other hand, like you just said, we, we basically lost all leverage. We, we telegraphed how we were going to do the war, and then we also became energy dependent. I mean, it's like we, we were like dumb and dumber. You know, if Donald Trump were president now, what he would have told Putin is after Putin said that putting sanctions on him is, is like de- declaring war, Trump would have said, you know what, you say it's a declaration of war, then we're going to send our military in. That's how we would have responded to Putin. Instead of just now we're just being quiet about it and we're starting to freak out about those sanctions. And, and the problem uh, that- is also, Brett, we were too little too late. Like, had we done all that? Thank you, Brett, for the call. But I feel like had we done that early and really said we're sending in tons of force, had we also beefed up even Ukraine's military just in general, it could have been a bigger threat to Putin. Putin saw like a, a, you know, a country that wasn't really getting a lot of weaponry at that point. So there's so many things that were wrong. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we're also going to talk to great economist Steve Moore about rising gas prices after the break. 
It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about soaring gas prices as this administration continues to basically say, hey, our plan moving away from energy independence to energy dependence has nothing to do with it. Does anybody out there believe that? Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is one of the great economists out there, also with the Heritage Foundation and Freedom Works, Steve Moore. Um, Steve, I don't know if you saw this, but um, it literally just happened a little bit ago that we've hit an all-time high for gas prices. Um, it's a new record high. It's like 4.104, and the highest was in 2008. It was 4.103. So technically, we have now the highest average gas price per gallon ever in American history. Yeah, how depressing is that? By the way, Rita, I am also, you, you buried the lead, I'm also the host of the More Money radio show on the WABC radio uh, station. And by the, and by the way, and by the way, a great host at that, my friend, a great host at that. I love radio. It's just so much fun. And I love the people who I know you're going to be taking callers later. I, you know, this station has the smartest listeners, you know, don't they? By far. I learn learn more from them than, than they probably learn from me. Um, I agree. uh, We're we're looking at a real crisis right now. I, I almost spilled my, literally almost spilled, spilled my coffee this morning when I, was uh, uh, having breakfast, and I, I looked at the um, front lead of the Washington Post. It says that that uh, Joe Biden has sent a secret envoy to Venezuela to try to urge the Venezuelans to increase their oil production. Now, is that the, the craziest, most lunatic thing you've ever heard? I mean, the, Maduro is a murderer. He's killed thousands and thousands of his citizens. He has Americans in, in his jails. And we're going because we won't produce oil and gas in Texas and North Dakota and Oklahoma and Alaska. But they're going to Venezuela to try to get them to increase their oil. I mean, and and then, by the way, a a few days before that, Rita, you could tell I'm angry because this is outrageous. Then they they they're trying to get Iran to increase their oil. export. What is the what? How in the world are you going to solve global warming? You know, by reducing American oil and gas production, but then importing it from countries like Iran and Venezuela and Russia. Absolutely. Smoke and mirrors. And by the way, the other thing we're also hearing that uh, there is a possibility, Steve Moore, that also Joe Biden may be making a trip himself, even potentially to Saudi to try to beg from the Saudis as well in the middle (laughs) of all this. As you know, I I worked as a senior economic advisor to Trump, and uh, I must have been in five or six meetings with him at the uh, in the Oval Office when we would talk about energy policy. And I remember early on in his presidency saying, you know, Mr. President, if we drill for our oil and gas and use our coal and our nuclear power and all our resources, you know, we can be energy independent by the end of your first term. And I remember he used to shake his finger at me and say, Steve, I don't want to be America to be energy independent. I want us to be an energy dominant country. And we we were. When he left office, we were practically producing more oil and gas than any other country in the world. And what a difference 14 months makes. Isn't it? It's astounding. We broke the back, by the way, of OPEC, the the oil cartel of countries like Saudi Arabia and all the other these other countries. And now we have to go hat in hand to the Saudis and to the Venezuelans and the and the Russians and the uh, 
and the uh, and the Iranians and say, oh, please increase your oil output. I mean, this is this is embarrassing. It's a national security crisis. It's driven up gas prices. You know, you you said it's four dollars and what uh, I think four dollars and ten cents a gallon nationally. Well, I just filled up on Sunday. Yesterday, I paid four seventy nine a gallon. In some parts of California and New York, people are paying five and six dollars a gallon. Wow, I know. And, and in fact, by the way, I saw in L.A. Um, it's over seven dollars at a particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just. It, and, and by the way, do you know what the price was um, the day that Donald Trump left office? What was it? Two fifty nine. Oh my goodness! Wow, <laughs> Steve. I mean, so we've almost we've gone from two fifty nine to four dollars and ten cents a gallon in 14 months. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that was possible. So uh, I, I'm very frustrated by this. We should be, the, the way we can hurt, you know, and what, what's really frustrating is that we're And Steve, we got a heartbreak coming up in two seconds here. Yeah. Uh, Steve, by the way, I'm sorry to cut you off. Steve Moore, love having you on. The great WABC host and also economist with Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much, Steve. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a powerful story coming from Rogersville, Alabama, where the family of a three year old says their child is home safe from a hospital and is going to be okay after sustaining burns from a massive fire on Sunday morning. Now, the police officer who saved the child said there was no time to think, just to do. That officer's name is Tyler Dyson, and he's a police officer with the Rogersville Police Department. He said, I got to save this child at all cost. His shift was wrapping up early Sunday morning until he heard that apartments are on fire with a possible entrapment of a child. So he rushed to the scene and he ran toward the blaze. He said it was less than 30 seconds. He got out of his car and he could hear the mother saying, my baby is inside. He could see flames shooting out of the window. Heavy smoke was rolling through the rest of the windows, and he got upstairs. Heavy smoke was showing big time. And within minutes of running into the blaze, Dyson came back out, but he wasn't empty-handed. He had the three-year-old boy. And Officer Dyson said, if I hadn't done something, that baby would surely have died. So how beautiful that he was able to be there at the right place at the right time and save the three-year-old boy. Bravo to our great men and women in blue. And meantime, we're talking about the situation in Russia, Ukraine, because the brutality is horrific and the bombing is massive. They are targeting tonight many cities throughout Ukraine, and the Russian military is showing no mercy and unbelievable, I think, infractions of the Geneva Convention using cluster bombs, hitting civilian locations, apartment buildings, hospitals. You know, schools, is there any reason that they would be hitting these locations? They're filled with kids and they're filled also with mothers. You know, I mean, this is civilian targets that they are clearly going after. And we were just talking a lot of it. It's just the ruthlessness of the Russian war machine. They did this in Syria, but it's also their attempt to try to break the will of the Ukrainian people, which tonight shows no sign of breaking. They are saying we are staying and fighting for our country. In fact, Zelensky just repeated a little bit ago, you know, the president there in Ukraine, we are fighting. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not hiding. I am staying in my country. What an amazing, 
amazing man. I love this guy. I think he's so incredible and such an inspiration in the most dire of circumstances. And in the meantime, he also said, what the heck are you guys doing? He is pushing for a no-fly zone because he says right now the sanctions so far have been too little, too late, and definitely not enough. Take a listen to Zelensky talking about what I call the lackluster sanctions by America and the West. The aggressor's audacity is a clear signal to the West that sanctions imposed against Russia are not enough, for they haven't got them, they haven't felt them over there. They have not noticed that the world is truly resolute, truly seeking to stop this war. You will not hide from this reality. You will not hide from new murders in Ukraine. You will not hide. The sanctions are not enough. And partly, guess what? They're not sanctioning Russian oil yet. What the heck is going on with our administration? You have people like Elizabeth Warren. You have Nancy Pelosi. You have a whole bunch of people out there going, why the heck are you not sanctioning Russian oil? even if it's just for a moral message, and try to convince the rest of the world to do the same. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the country of Ukraine to be obliterated, and then you're going to suddenly ban Russian oil? What good will it do then? Well, Nikki Haley, of course, the former Secretary of State, former U.N. ambassador, rather, this is what she had to say about the situation. I mean, this was something that Putin knew not to mess with the United States. Putin needs to know that again. We need to start standing up. Why are we even ho-humming around the fact that we're still taking Russian oil? Why are we doing that? Why would we right. take money from, from evil dictators? You never sleep with the devil because then the devil owns you. The Europeans are finding that out right now. We need to be smarter than that. Yeah, we definitely do. And again, if you're just hearing the breaking news, gas prices have now hit the highest level in American history, literally just surpassing what were 2008 numbers just by a hair, but they are climbing up tremendously. And they've climbed up a lot even in the last like 48, 72 hours. So that means it's going to be a lot more when you go to the pump, no matter if you're running a truck or you're doing a car, whatever it is. Airlines too, think about it. A lot of people are using oil and gas. It's going to hit everybody where it hurts because those truckers too are going to, it's going to cost them more to fill up the tanks. I mean, there's so many layers to this. And why? Because we're not energy independent. So now we're going around, as you just heard from Steve Moore, we're going to Venezuela saying, Maduro, I know you're a ruthless killer and all that other stuff, but could we get some oil from you? And then we're going to Iran and basically doing the same. Iran, unbelievable. This this administration has wanted to do a nuclear deal with Iran. Do you think we have any leverage whatsoever now that we're begging them for oil? Are you kidding me? And it's all because this president on day one canceled the Keystone Pipeline, said no more federal, no drilling on federal lands. All of this is coming to a halt because he was trying to appease his green energy folks in his party. And right now he doesn't have the guts to say to them, it ain't going to be this way. We got to reverse it. He should have done that. He never should have reversed it from to begin with. But he hasn't, even with all the writing on the wall, all the penalties that are hurting all of our pocketbooks, he wants to make it sound like, oh, it's just Russia, Ukraine. Well, guess what? The prices were going up well before Russia, Ukraine. They're definitely escalating. But come on. What a pass the buck moment. And as you just heard from Steve Moore, when it was Trump's last day in office, the average price of gas, two fifty nine. Now it is over four bucks and, you know, climbing super high. This is outrageous. And I cannot believe this administration still 
hasn't reversed it. What more does it take? You got Democrats pleading with you because it is so obvious. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George from Long Island. Go ahead, George. Your thoughts about this? Oh, Miss Rita. My thought is this. Yeah, I'm against buying Russian oil. But until we replace it with something from our own country, the gas prices here are going to get absolutely ridiculous. I know. Absolutely but you know ridiculous. what? You know what, George? He created this crisis because you bring up a great point. Had we had the resources. And in fact, I thought it was really interesting what Steve Moore was just telling us that he was in conversations with Trump when Trump said, I don't just want to make us energy independent. I want to make us energy dominant. I mean, he was ready to keep going. So think about the situation we'd be in right now if we were selling to the rest of the world, not just supplying ourselves, but selling to the rest of the world. What a, what a sad situation, as you point out, that we've created because it will take time to fill up. You're exactly right. And think about this, too. Biden's just as guilty. He wants to push this Green New Deal business, so he figures this way he could crush the country. Nobody can afford the cars anymore, so he's going to push his electric deal through. Yeah, but at this point, think about the prices. You're right. He's going to, yeah. and actually, you're right. He's going to use it and say, well, look how expensive gas is. That's why we got to do electric. You know, he's going to exactly. try to come up with some spin. Exactly. Uh, hey, I drive 100 miles a day back and forth to work, and I just saw the, the gas pumps on my way home on Friday night. It was 409 a gallon. I almost fainted. Yeah. By the way, did you see I was looking in Los Angeles and it was over seven bucks at a particular gas station in Los Angeles. I couldn't believe it. You know, again, thank goodness we haven't seen that, you know, in, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. But other parts of the country are going to start feeling it big time, guys, and uh, yeah, and including here. And it's 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 going to destroy this economy. This is what they're looking for. They want to crush this economy and go socialist and. I don't see any other way around it. So how do they get how do they get votes in November with this one, George? That will be the miracle. I'm telling you, it's like, are you kidding me? You created this crisis. You didn't, you know, fully even prepare Ukraine. You didn't do this, and now you're scrambling like a tail between your legs, saying, "Oh, mother, may I?" Uh, I mean, it's it is outrageous, George. Great call. Um, let's go to Tim in New Jersey. Go ahead, Tim. Hi, uh, Rita. I just wanted to say that this administration cannot call Putin a war criminal because we're funding his war machine. And I, I also I also want to say that leading going on what this previous caller just said is that Biden in Atlanta, Georgia, gave a race baiting speech about the so-called voter integrity law. What is his objective? He this he is a he is a race baiting creep this guy and this guy is the cause of this problem i'm not saying that it couldn't have happened with trump i'm saying that we don't know what would have happened but i'm saying this guy caused this issue here this 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 war this destruction of a country a sovereign country he did it yeah, and he and he won't even admit it either, Tim, that that his policies have played even any sort of contribution to it. I mean, there's such a naivete. And by the way, I will take one step further. I think if Trump were in office right now, I don't think this would happen. And and if you look at some of the polls, most Americans don't think it would have happened under Trump either. And that includes a lot of independents and some Democrats, too, because he had first of all, he would have talked to Putin. 
Uh, he would have had a relationship with Putin, and he also would have been extremely clear with Putin. And because we had General Kellogg on the show last week, guys, and he was one of the national security advisors to Trump, he gave a great line. And he said, you know, Putin was worried because a lot of people thought that either Trump was rational, irrational, or irrational, rational. But that level of irrationality, he said, was enough that Putin would be like, oh, what is this guy going to do? You know, that that if he said, hey, we're going to, you know— we're going to knock you off the face of the earth. Putin might be worried that that may indeed happen under Trump. And he needed to be kind of like a bully needed to be put back in a corner, like a bully in a schoolyard. You can't just go, oh, OK, whatever you need. That's what Biden's doing. And it has created so much of this. And, and now we're in such a, a, you know, a really difficult situation. And my heart, you know, when I look at the Ukrainian people right now, my heart is breaking and it's outrageous that we still have not even had the guts, this administration, to cancel Russian oil. They sanctioned, like, a couple things, didn't even cancel all the bank accounts, and they didn't even go to their main source of money, which is oil. That's energy. That's where Russia gets it. They are giving them a free pass. So it's all smoke and mirrors. All these, uh, you know, sanctions, what good does it do if they're getting so much money from the rest of the world? You know, not just us, but Germany and a lot of other places. What good does it do if we sanction him on other things, but we give him a free ride on his big money thing? I mean, that's a joke. And shame on us. We need to be the world's leader. I agree with what Nikki Haley said. It's like we're making a deal with the devil. And now we're forced to go to Iran and and Venezuela. And we're now having skyrocketing prices. We probably would not have done that. If we had energy independence, I'm sure we wouldn't. In fact, we'd probably be doing great if we were energy dominant, as we just heard, you know, from Steve Moore. I mean, this is outrageous, absolutely outrageous. Let's go to David in San Diego. David, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, David? Hi, Rita. I'll leave arguing the politics to others. I would feel better as an American if we were leading a massive humanitarian relief effort in the region, not only Poland, but Hungary, Moldova. And I often wonder, is it is there any reason why we can't provide humanitarian assistance inside of Ukraine? Also, okay. as far as... There's no reason, but it, but it is complicated inside Ukraine. You know, most of the humanitarian that's happening, a lot of it's happening, like you said, in Poland. I couldn't believe it, David, that they've taken in almost one million refugees since this started. And they believe that a lot more is coming. I mean, it's, it's stunning to see these numbers. And like you mentioned, Moldova and Romania. Um, but getting inside is really tough. There are some organizations that are going inside, but it's really hard because of the security concerned right now. And right now, everything is a war zone pretty much in that country. Sadly, in the last 24 hours, you know, we're hearing that there's been now some shelling in and around Kiev, which means that they are closing in on the capital, which is, it's going to be a rough, I think, week, guys, sadly, you know, really, really sadly. Uh, Go ahead, David, your thoughts. Of course, we should have been in there long before this ever happened. I just, I would like to hear in the news that the United States is providing a humanitarian relief effort. I hear nothing about that. I'm sure something is going on somewhere. Oh no! And by oh, the way, they are doing that, David. They definitely are. They're supplying stuff right. to Russia, to uh, to Poland. Forgive me. Um, they're also the military there. In fact, we have thousands of U.S. troops that are actually in Poland, and their primary role is obviously protecting Poland's borders, but also humanitarian help, um, making sure that some of these other resources are there. We're sending lots of money for humanitarian aid, as are other countries. So that is happening. The problem is 
within the country right now, they're getting battered and there's the numbers are just so voluminous that are coming for humanitarian aid. It's like, it's like, it's like a nonstop machine. I mean, you think about a million people and about a week and a half coming suddenly into your country. That that's an enormous amount. And, and by the way, David, I saw this story too. 30,000 kids came into Moldova. Think about that. I mean, that's a population of, I think it's about 3 million in Moldova. It's not like a big country, obviously, um, but can you imagine 30,000 kids just at one hand, sort of, in one mass group? I mean, that is that is an enormous amount for any country to take. And these are orphans. These are kids who, like, who don't have parents. So, you know, think about the impact. But, David, you're right. We have to keep a – we have to remember those people because that is so, so important, David. And, uh, and God, my, I, my heart breaks when I see these pictures of the mothers and the kids and – you know, because the the guys remember ages eighteen to sixteen, they are being drafted to fight. They're fighting. They're fighting for their country, and they are fighting with everything they have. And it's so amazing, and I think so impressive, and such an inspiration that they are now giving still the Russian war machine a run for its money. And let's hope that they can continue that with our help and also so many other countries. When we come back, I want to hear your thoughts, you guys on the fact that we are not energy independent, that to this day we are still not banning Russian oil. And you got even some of the left wingers of the party. You got Nancy Pelosi and you got Elizabeth Warren. You got all these people saying, hey, come on, you ban it. You got even people on CNN saying it. What does Biden need to do? My goodness. What more does he need to hear? It is so obvious and it is blood money. one 800 848 This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show, which now the average price of gas in the United States has hit an all-time record high. Uh, the highest ever in U.S. history. It is surpassing now a record that was in 2008 just by a hair. But gas prices have gone up significantly, as we've seen over the last year, and also especially in the last week and a half or so since Russia invaded Ukraine. But this is so crazy that this administration still continues to deny that their energy policies their lack of wanting Americans to drill, their lack of supporting fossil fuels in this country, that that's played a role. That is outrageous. It it has put us in such a dire situation. What are we going to be using windmills and hoping that that's going to change the course right now? The only way to actually cut off Vladimir Putin financially is to cut off all the money he gets from oil and gas, at least a huge amount, as much as you can, to slow him in his tracks as he is assaulting the Ukrainian people. And instead, guess what? We are looking now to maybe making a deal with Iran as we are looking to buy oil from Iran. And guess who's brokering some of the deal with us? How crazy is this? In the Iran nuclear deal, one of the other parties, guess what? Is Russia. We need Russia to help us broker the deal for Iran that this administration wants to do. Trump was like, forget that deal. We are not going to do this deal with Iran because there's not a lot of checks and balances. But this administration has been intent to do a nuclear deal with Iran, to do a deal that would, in their mind, keep them in check. But most people, if you look at it, it's pretty tepid. It's actually not a very good deal. But because they desperately want a deal, they're also trying to desperately buy oil from Iran. So what kind of leverage, what kind of juice is the administration going to have? And 
Then you've got Moscow brokering the deal. I mean, this is like sheer insanity. Take a listen. This is what General Keith Kellogg has to say, because he believes Iran is on the verge of another level of the access of evil. To see a nuclear breakout, and what I mean by a breakout, they're going to have enough enriched uranium to uh, produce a nuclear weapon easily within the year. How frightening is that? And then take a listen to General Jack Keane talking about us buying the oil from now other levels of the access of evil, because guess what? We shouldn't hopefully be buying it from Russia anymore. The absolute absurdity uh, in looking to uh, a communist dictator who's an ally of Russia like Madero in Venezuela, mm-hmm. or the Iranians who are also an ally of Russia as a source of this, makes no sense in as much as buying oil from Russia makes no sense. That, I, I, that is unbelievably lame uh, on, on the part of the administration of pursuing a goal like that. And we're doing it because guess what? This administration moved us away from energy independence. And Jack Keane says this is ridiculous, that this needs to change fast. I think it's just a a moral imperative to not be taking oil and giving Russia money to fuel a war that we're opposed to. Uh, The fact that uh, there has to be congressional pressure on this administration to awaken him to that moral reality is somewhat stunning. Yeah, it is absolutely stunning. Let's go to Pablo in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Pablo. Your thoughts about all this? Yes. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you great, Pablo. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can. The reason why Joe Biden's doing what he's doing is because the left has the information on the laptop. I don't think for one minute that Joe Biden is calling any of the shots. The progressive left is calling everything. So, so wait a minute. Hey, Pablo. And wait, his corruption. Wait a minute. Wait, hang on. When you talk about laptop, whose laptop? Are you talking about Hunter's laptop? Hey, Pablo. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you now again. My goodness. Is, are you talking about Hunter's laptop? Whose laptop? Yes. Uh, yes, I am. Hunter's laptop. That's what I had a feeling. I mean, who knows? We still don't know what the ties are there. We know that Hunter was apparently getting money from the mayor of Moscow's wife. I mean, there's, there are a lot of crazy unanswered questions that we still do not know. Uh, but it brings up some interesting points. Let's go to Chris in Lake George. Chris, go ahead. You're here on the show. Hi, hi, Rita. I was in the uh, unit that covered the South Pacific testing for the French tests in the 60s. Oh, wow. Nuclear nuclear explosions are very scary things. Yes. And that, I just want to emphasize that I saw uh, Putin's speech over the weekend, and I read his body language, and I read how serious the guy was. He knows what it's like to lose 25 million people. You realize the Russians lost 25 million killed, where we had 25 million in uniform. We didn't lose anywhere close to that number. He is a serious man. He knows that we are so corrupt in this country, it's beyond belief. But he's and corrupt, he too. Believe it. I can see it in his eyes. But, and by the way, Chris, I hear exactly what you're saying. First of all, thank you for your service, too. And that's amazing that you were there on the front lines there with that. But he is also, because he's a madman, we needed to do other things to keep him on check before this moment. The question is, what do we do now? I'm going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And at this hour, Russian military are targeting many cities in Ukraine and indiscriminately hitting targets, indeed, that have women and children and many civilians. However, the Ukrainians are also saying that two Russian fighters were shot down over Kiev, and that is great news. So they appear to be having some success Many people believing that some of the invasion is grinding to a halt, but it's really unclear if that is indeed the case because we know that that big convoy is still outside of Kiev. But a number of the key tanks that would be used to maybe do part of the assault apparently are no longer there, according to satellite images. So where did they go? Did they go to another part of the country? So it could be a sign that the worst is yet to come. Also, by the way, Odessa, which is a big port city and a big city there in Ukraine, is getting hammered at this hour. But apparently Russian forces are taking quite a bit of losses. Um, And there are reports that uh, thousands upon thousands of Russian troops have been either killed while a number of them have also been captured. And really interesting, there was a captured Russian officer who actually is seen on videotape basically apologizing to Ukrainians for genocide, begging for mercy. He's a commander who was captured by the Ukrainians, and he basically condemned the genocide invasion, saying it's an amazing, remarkable televised statement uh, that the troops were basically convinced, kind of duped, I guess, if you will, into believing that Kiev, the main capital city there, was overthrown by Nazis and needed liberating. So it just gives you a sense of what they are being told in Russia, that the military being told, oh, it's it's a big Nazi location and you've got to liberate the capital. And that's why you got to go in and storm them and kill them all, because they needed some excuse for them to go in and kill Ukrainians. And in another sign that the Russians are getting desperate, they have also been looking at recruiting Syrians, that they've been looking at getting some Syrian fighters and a whole bunch more of Chechens coming in, which could be a sign that they fear that they are losing a lot of their troops and need some reinforcements. So all of this could be a good sign for the Ukrainian military that they're putting somewhat of a dent. But at this time, if you look at some of the images, I mean, so much of Ukraine is being decimated tonight and really taking a pounding because Putin is getting more and more desperate. And clearly he wants to have some strides. He was telling people over the weekend that he thinks things are going on target with the military operation. I don't think anybody thinks that this is where Putin thought he would be now after, you know, many, many days. Many people believe that Putin thought he could just kind of steamroll through the country. And you could tell that the fight of the Ukrainian people and the will of the Ukrainian people is definitely hampering things for him. And that's good news. We just got to keep the pressure up. We got to keep supplying the Ukrainians and we got to stop buying Russian oil. Take a listen. Here is President Zelensky of Ukraine saying about the punishment that his country has taken 
from the Russians and saying that these people are beyond animals. We will not forgive the destroyed houses. We will not forgive the missile that our air defense shot down over Ahmatid today and more than 500 other such missiles that hit our land, all over Ukraine, hit our people and children. We will not forgive the shooting of unarmed people, destruction of our infrastructure. We will not forgive hundreds and hundreds of victims, thousands and thousands of sufferings. And God will not forgive. Not today, not tomorrow, never. And instead of forgiveness... There will be a day of judgment. I'm sure of it. And as we have been talking, so far, no ban on Russian oil from the United States. In fact, Zelensky keeps pleading, please put this ban in. He's been asking for the no-fly zone, and he's been asking for the ban. And so far, America and NATO have said again in the last few hours, no, we will not do a no-fly zone right now. No, we're not going to do this. But Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is saying maybe we'll do something about this Russian oil ban, but not really answering. Take a listen to Blinken. We are now in, uh, in very active discussions with our European partners uh, about banning the, uh, the import of Russian oil uh, to our countries, while, of course, at the same time maintaining a steady uh, global supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, the actions we've taken to date, have already had a devastating impact on the Russian economy. But uh, we are looking, uh, again, as we speak, in coordination with allies and partners, at this prospect of banning oil. uh, So we don't really know what to say. We're trying to kind of figure it out. Listen to Jen Psaki, circle back Psaki today, making some circle backs on this too. No decision has been made at this point uh, by the president about uh, an, uh, a ban, an import, a ban on importing uh, oil from Russia, uh, and those discussions are ongoing internally and also with our counterparts uh, and uh, partners uh, in Europe and around the world. And who could forget Jennifer Granholm, the Energy Secretary under the Biden administration? Because this administration has just kind of sold out the whole issue of energy independence. And as we're hearing from Steve Moore in the last hour, energy dominance, we're like energy wagged the dog now. You know, I mean, it is terrible. And when Jennifer Granholm was asked this question, remember this, back in October, take a listen. This is an exchange that she had. It was in the fall, and it was with Bloomberg television and they were asking her about energy independence are we going to finally like kind of start more energy independence here in the united states and this is when prices were rising even before russia ukraine take a listen this is in the fall what is the grand home plan to increase oil production in america Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. I don't think what's so funny. And again tonight, the big breaking news that we are now at the highest average price of gasoline per gallon in the United States ever in American history. There, it's all over the board. I mean, if you go to different places, we're talking about Los Angeles, some places $7 a gallon. I couldn't believe it. I was looking at a sign today. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, um, but now it has hit a record price of 
$4.104. It was $4.103. That was the highest in 2008. And we have just surpassed it at $4.104. And it's definitely going higher and higher and higher. Well, the owner of Red Apple Media, John Katsimatidis, had this to say about Biden's policies. What we should be doing, the president of the United States should sit down with Canada, Mexico, and ourselves and say, North America, let's make ourselves energy uh, uh, independent. I mean, that is the way a president of the United States should be doing it. I agree. And by the way, Canada has even said that they are not going to be buying oil from Russia. So what the heck is taking so long with us? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, what a mess we are in. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. First of all, I'm going to tell you why food did what he did. You see, basically, it bothers me a little when you say you love Zelensky. Zelensky's a great guy, but you have to understand something. There was a lot of corruption in the Ukraine as well as Russia. Now, if, if Trump was in office, Trump was squeaky clean, okay? Biden is a thug. So when, when, when Putin sees another thug get uh, in office, he says, well, why not? The only thing that, that kept Putin straight was the specter of a squeaky clean president that went out of his way to flatter him because he knew he was a thug. So Putin knew that, that, that Trump knew who he was, basically. OK, so now you have to understand something. With Biden, it's all corruption. You ask questions about the Iranian deal. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to spill the I'm going to spill the beans right now. All right. Okay. I'm a common person. I don't have any connections with anybody, and yet this common person has had two experiences. Uh, like five years ago, I was waiting at a bus stop, and a very well dressed man. I got into a conversation with him, and he he was a businessman. He revealed to me that Jerry Nadler was being paid off by Hezbollah to to push the United States into the Iranian deal. Okay, paid off. And if you look at Jerry Nadler, he got very corrupted at a certain time, and I and I and I believe it. Okay. So wait a minute. So and again, that hasn't been proven. But what you're saying is that there was some sort of payoff. Um, I mean, I don't know about that part. But what I will say is that this administration seems so excited to get some Iranian nuclear deal. I mean, and remember, Biden was part of the whole administration where the Obamas brought that, remember, that crate load of cash to Iran in the middle of the night that they didn't tell anybody about that we finally found out about because somebody saw the crate load and, and saw the report about it, and then they finally had to admit, oh, yeah, and we were just doing that, too, because that was the easiest way to make a payment. Right. It was literally like crates of cash, and this is the same administration, so they're continuing with that policy. Uh, so I think a lot of it's sort of the Biden philosophy, but now we are in, uh, we were already in a weak position with this president in dealing with Iran. Now we are in a 20 times weaker position because now we need their oil. So boy, are we at a deficit. Go ahead, Larry, on that. Okay. So basically it's all about kickbacks. Okay. Now I had another experience with, with, with someone who knows knows the, uh, one of the, uh, the heads of, of Fiat, that Fiat, I believe, bought out Chrysler. When, when Obama bailed out the auto industry, this person that I know is very, very close with, with one, as I said, one of the owners of Fiat, and he claims that he was showed a check that was written, an offshore check that was written to Obama as a kickback for $1 billion, okay, that's probably deposited in an offshore account. But so what's why- the point? Wait, wait, and again, 
I don't know if any of these are substantiated, but but what would be the objective of this company paying him? What 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 do you think is the objective? Uh, kickbacks. No, but for they, what? For what? What are they trying to get in return? He was, they, they were bailed out. They were bailed. The, the auto industry was bailed out with billions of dollars. Oh, okay, oh, but 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 not tied to. I thought you were going back to like Iran and oil and all this other. That's where I thought you were headed. But that's. The by the way, but but Larry, I do think you make an interesting point that there are often payoffs and backdoor deals. I don't know about these two particular ones, uh, but I do remember that big boatload of cash that came into the middle of the night. So that that certainly raised. A lot of attentions, and that sounds like even more than the money you're even talking about, because that was a lot of moolah. Um, let's go to Jim in Long Island. Go ahead, Jim. Your thoughts about all this? Lovely, Rita. How are you tonight? Good, but I'm really worried about where we're headed. I'm seeing Ukraine getting slaughtered, and I'm seeing our prices at the gas tank soaring now at a record high, literally. Um, and I'm seeing this president like begging for oil when we could have been drilling in our own country. Well, you know, uh, Rita, I have great peace because I have great faith in Jesus Christ, and I believe that we're nearing his return. I believe we're nearing the tribulation, like the Bible says in Revelations. I just want to say to Stan, who thinks I'm weird as a born-again Christian, that Jesus loves him and died for his sins. And so if you read the book of Revelations, you'll see what's going on today. This is just the beginning. It's just warming up. Well, definitely, Jim, I will say we have to make sure that we pray for the uh, Ukrainian people because they're going to need that faith through all these difficult times. The world is because it is such a conflicted, difficult, difficult time. Um, Jim, thank you. It's great to get your call. Thank you and bless you. Thank you very much. Uh, Let's go to Will in Poughkeepsie. Go ahead, Will. Hi, good day, uh, uh, Rita. Um, I just wanted to say, that uh, when Donald Trump was in, I live in upstate New York, and gas, listen to this number, you ready? 207. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And did you hear, by the way, did you hear, Will, that uh, uh, Steve Moore was saying on the last day of Trump's administration, um, because he was with him, that it was 259. So, uh, you know, come on. And what is it now? Uh, Today I saw uh, 424. Wow. So what's your reaction? Because What do you think? What do you buy, by the way, of the fact, Will, that this administration still seems to think, oh, they had nothing to do with us, you know? Uh, well, you know how it is. Uh, whenever there's negativity towards them, they always go to the previous administration. It's like a point finger thing. You know, they, they're guilty. They're guilty. It's just a matter of time. God forbid if it gets to seven dollars a gallon, maybe there will be an impeachment. Can he be impeached for this? Because I know he can be impeached for the border. Yeah, uh, you can't be impeached for this, but you could be impeached if something came out where he was actually like, you know, selling out. Uh, I mean, you can make the case selling out your country, or you can make the case if there was some evidence that he was doing it for nefarious purposes. I'm not sure if it's just stupidity or if it's nefarious. 1-800-848-9222. And I'm going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. By the way, a bipartisan bill has been introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives that would ban the import, 
the import of Russian crude oil. The bill also, by the way, targets U.S. imports of Russian crude oil, coal, liquefied natural gas, and petroleum products. Remember, Canada has already done a ban. What are we waiting for? Again, this was a bipartisan bill. So let's hope that this puts pressure on this president who seems to want to refuse to do that. And also, by the way, the head of Ukraine, Zelensky, is continuing to call for not just a U.S. ban of global oil, but a global ban of Russian oil. Think about the impact that would have on this president. And it should have been done, by the way, months ago. But at least let's do it now. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Senator Marsha Blackburn commenting why it hasn't happened yet. We have weakened ourselves, and it's because the leftists and the socialists and the Marxists and the progressives, whatever they want to call themselves, their focus is on climate as their religion. And anything they can do to push us toward electric vehicles, anything they can do to say use less energy, they are going to do it because climate is their God. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do is say common sense has to prevail in that. We are an energy-based economy. And Russia is a big oil depot with an army. And what we need to do is shut down their currency, get them out of SWIFT, make it impossible for them to sell these oil and gas products and return ourselves to that energy independence. Absolutely. So why the heck are we not doing it? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts. Go ahead. What is that communist socialist crap? That she comes up with. Can't you just talk about, I mean, it's constantly the, 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 with the communist and the, what a line of garbage, man, you know? That's garbage. Here's the point. Okay? So wait, wait, I agree. hang on, Stan. I agree. Stan, hang on. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you agree. agree in a moment. But, but the communist socialist stuff is, is this whole sort of green energy philosophy and this whole critical race theory. But, but go, let's go to the oil. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I agree that Russian oil should be stopped, and here's how you stop it. Don't pay for it, okay? This is a simple thing. Letters of credit, international bills, which is how this is done. As someone had called and said, uh, companies are buying the oil. We're not. And so, so cut. don't pay for it. It's a simple thing. We're not going to pay for it. And this way, they'll stop it on their own. I agree. It's not that much of oil coming in. I know you keep pushing that. Oh, we well, no, I've can, said, by the way, Canadian. I've said that it's 10%. What I think. Not it, even which, that. And, no, Not no, no, that. you're right. I was just about to say, Stan, actually, I was about to say it's 10% or less. A lot of estimates are even less. But it's a moral issue, Stan. And I also think um, we have to get the rest of the world to do it, too, uh, because at least as much as we can, because if we're the only ones doing it, I do think we should do it to lead the charge. We're already late because Canada's already done it. But I think we should also convince Germany and all these others that use a lot more of it, don't you think? Uh, yeah, but is, I agree. We get most of it from Canada, Mexico. That's the triad. We get most of that uh, oil from them and so forth. Plus, domestically, oil shale companies are doing a, a good job, and that hasn't stopped. 
So we are, uh, to some extent, we are energy independent. Oh, no, but, we're not. We are so far away from being energy independent right well, now, Stan. Uh, look, and guess look. what? Guess what? Donald Trump's idea was to be energy dominant, you know? And, and now we went from, now we're kissing the ring of Venezuelan dictators and also Iran. We are in such a bad situation, and it's because this president decided to make us energy dependent. He was so caught up in his green energy plan, and now he doesn't even want to change the path because he's embarrassed, Stan. OPEC, when there's a crisis like this, this isn't, this isn't uh, uh, out of the, the thing. It happens. Oil goes up, and it goes up, and it goes up. It's happened many times before. It's nothing new. You make it out as if it's our, his fault. Well, guess, guess what is new, Stan? In the last few hours, we have hit the highest gas prices in American history, the highest average gallon of gas in American history. And guess what? This president has made us energy dependent. It is a disaster. I'm going to continue with your calls, and we're also going to talk about why the heck are we closing Rikers in New York? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our brave men and women in the military tonight, we want to give a shout out to, it looks like about 10,000 U.S. troops that are now stationed around Ukraine, helping especially to fortify the borders of the NATO countries that are there surrounding Ukraine in some areas, especially Poland, um, but also you think about a number of other ones that are in the region. But additionally, so many humanitarian needs. There have been close to 2 million, think about that, 2 million refugees almost have left Ukraine, think, you know, since the war began, which is not that long, and about a million of them in Poland. And many of our American troops are there and elsewhere taking care of all the various humanitarian needs and trying to figure out where to locate these individuals, what homes to put them in, get them food, um, get them ways that they can connect if there's relatives outside. And most of them, again, are women and children who are literally leaving, in many cases, with the shirt on their back, leaving their husbands behind to fight. So I just want to give a big shout-out to now it looks like about 10,000 American troops stationed in, you know, in that area and it is a very, very difficult situation as they are trying to protect the borders and also protect those who are fleeing the war in Ukraine. And meantime, the numbers just keep on escalating. So far, we've heard some reports that thousands upon thousands of Russian troops may have been killed. Um, and including, they're saying that there's a number that says like 11,000. Uh, we don't know if that's accurate. There's so many different reports out there. Um, We know that from the Ukrainian military, they're saying that two commanders were killed, two major Russian commanders. That's good news. Also, a number of helicopters have also been destroyed overnight, um, and a number of others have been destroyed in the last few hours, said to be over Kiev. So it means that they're coming towards Kiev, but it looks like Ukrainian forces are able to fight them off in some form, but they're also getting battered in so many of the different cities. And there are reports, especially in the last few days, 
of these horrible sort of, I call them ploys, like where they say, okay, we're going to let you evacuate for, quote, humanitarian reasons. And women and children start walking and elderly people, you know, start walking, you know, on these routes. And then suddenly it turns out the routes are mined. Suddenly it turns out that they're being bombed. It is an unbelievable situation. And we are just watching in horror. And General Jack Keane says it is going to be brutal, it's going to be ruthless, and that this is the way that the Ukrainians have to fight off what is going to be a brutal war machine because he says the Russians are going to just take everything they can and kill everybody in sight. Take a listen. But also equally important to them is the military objective to defeat the Ukrainian people. And that means destroy their homes and kill as many of them as they possibly can. That is a defined military objective. And that is what is being played out in front of our eyes, as horrific as distasteful that is to us in terms of our values. This is how Russia prosecutes war. 9,000 innocent people killed in Grozny. Tens of thousands killed in Syria, in Aleppo, and in Idlib province in 2015 and 2016. I'm not exaggerating the numbers. They made war on entire neighborhoods and villages that had no military targets. They used deep penetration bombs to be able to hit the hospitals that were built underground. All of that are war crimes. And that is the way that the Russians fight that they are hitting with bombs that go underground to hit hospitals and civilians. I mean, that's not going after a specific military target. It is unbelievable. Some of the images that we have seen of late and just some parts of Ukraine really, really massively leveled. And in the meantime, Zelensky in the last few hours uh, did an interview begging for a no-fly zone, pleading with the world, saying, please, look, we are getting hammered. Please, I am begging you for a no-fly zone. And he also is begging that sanctions be put and that there no longer continues to be purchases of Russian oil. Um, In fact, in the last few hours, there was a bipartisan bill introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives that would actually ban the import of Russian crude oil. And boy, I hope that we do it. I can't believe the administration hasn't done it yet. What the heck is this administration waiting for? And also lead the charge, lead the rest of the world. You really want to be a leader? I think you have not been a leader in this whole process, but you could at least right now try to galvanize the world to stop buying Russian oil. Take a listen. This is Marco Rubio commenting about that. This notion that somehow banning Russian oil would raise prices on American consumers is an admission that this guy, that this killer, that this butcher, Vladimir Putin, has leverage over us. Why would we want that leverage to continue? Why, why would we have someone like him to have the power to raise gas prices on Americans? Yeah, exactly. And so far, we're already seeing gas prices go up. But gas prices were going up before this because guess what? We no longer had energy independence. Let's go to Miriam in Forest Hills. Go ahead, Miriam. Go ahead. Maybe I'm being naive, but why does all Americans write, email, or call the White House massively and ask him to open up the sources we had that made us independent? Yeah, that's a good point. You mean, you know, flood them with letters and say enough is enough. I did an email already. Oh, you did? Bravo to you. Now, what did you put in the email? I mean, one, one letter, but if everyone does, a Democrat, Republican, we all agree about it. I think we're unified in this particular issue. Why not let the White House know? You know what's amazing, Miriam? You bring up a great point because it's like 
there is so much unification in this. But I don't know what the White House is dragging their feet for. Clearly, I think what's happening is they're suddenly going, oh, oh, oh these tepid sanctions aren't working. So I got to come up with another plan. And they're desperately trying to get favors from Venezuela and from Iran. And like, I mean, they're literally doing deals with the devil right now to try to fill up the stubborn. tanks. I really do. I think he's being stubborn. And if maybe all of us write and bombard him and he sees how everyone feels and maybe even flatter him how he'd be more popular if he did this, that it might appeal to him. Yeah, good point. What about also, you know, like, you know, on the beach, you put those big billboards, you know, it's usually exactly. buy one drink, get one free. It should actually say, hey, Biden, wake up. You know, basically well, all of America. Email and all that might, you know, influence them. Absolutely. Great point, Miriam. Worth a try. Yep, worth a try. Absolutely. Miriam, great point. And by the way, if you look at polls to what Miriam was just saying, 71% people even said if it means slightly higher gas prices, they would be willing to do it to help the people of Ukraine. Before this, about a week ago, they did a poll, a similar one. It was 43%. Now the numbers are 71% because we're seeing these images, we're seeing the effect, and people are realizing that we're buying it from Russia. So they're realizing, boy, we we got to figure out a way to fix all this. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Go ahead, Steve, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. I see a parallel between the way Biden handled the Afghanistan uh, uh, withdrawal in which he basically, against his uh, general's uh, recommendations, he just basically said, let's just pull out despite the uh, ridiculous error in doing such a thing, leaving everyone behind. And in the same way, he's refusing to, uh, to, to, to do something over here in this situation to basically reverse his policy with regard to the oil uh, uh, in, intake from uh, Russia. So he's just a very stubborn bastard anyway, and he's destroying Ukraine, and he's letting Ukraine die because he's stubborn about his damn policies. Yeah, and he is so set on his ways. Steve, that's a great point because he's set on his ways, and he doesn't want to reverse it because it would be an admission that they were completely out of line and that they have put us in a disastrous situation. He'd rather deal with the devil. He'd rather, like, go beg to, you know, Iran and the Saudis and, and beg with Maduro of Venezuela, who we like basically took off, you know, the do not uh, deal with list. But now suddenly he's got to beg with them. He'd rather do that than say he made a mistake, which is shameful. Absolutely shameful. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck. Elena, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Good evening. What do you think, Elena? We need some we need some more voice of reason. There's been some great ideas tonight. Well, let me give you a word of gratitude. I have to tell you that there is phenomenal support from people that used to be called the Organization of Captive Nations. These were all the peoples of the countries that were under, behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. So I have to tell you that I was in Washington, and I cannot tell you how many different banners and flags from the different countries that were there to support the rally for Ukraine. Thank you. Wow. And and Rita, I met a Polish couple. There were many Polish flags and Polish people, and uh, I do understand it, so I was able to communicate freely. But I met a marvelous couple, and I'll tell you that the heartwarming that came from them, how concerned they were about all the people that are fleeing into Poland and how how much help they need and how much help Poland is giving them. 
it was heartwarming. Thank oh, you. I'm so happy to hear that. Elena, thank you. And and sadly, as you know, um, the Poles went through such a difficult time. They know what it's like to be displaced. They know what it's like to be in the middle of war. And they have such unbelievable compassion for everybody. Um, and that's why they're helping so much tremendously now. Um, it's it's beautiful to see. And, and the world is doing it. But I'm so proud of uh, the Polish people and proud to be halfway Polish, partway Polish. I love it. Uh, let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn real quick, Jim. Yes, Earth Day, April 22nd, is Lenin's birthday. That's not an accident. John Kerry's group, Vietnam Veterans Against the War, was at the same address as the National Council American Soviet Friendship Committee. We worry about communism all over the world, all over here and there, Cuba, Vietnam. We saw the protests, Hong Kong. The communists here have enormous influence. When a guy like Stan poo-poos the communist threat, that is frightening. He's a, he's, a, he's a reality denier. That's worse than a Holocaust denier because that reality, that threat is still here. Well, it's and by the way, Stan, Stan is like, an, a, you know, he's a Joe Biden apologist, too. You know, at least he's, he's fairly consistent. So I'll, I'll give him that. Jimmy, thank you very much. Real quick, John in Toronto. Real quick, John. How are you? Good. What do you think about uh, the situation with Russian oil real fast? Well, first of all, I think Pelosi's talking out of her backside. Uh, she's just giving up lip service. Although, uh, Jen, you know, and by the, by the way, I agree. But but you see Manchin doing it, too, and, and others are doing I think the, even if she's doing lip service, they're all now kind of joining the chorus. So there is some good news there. And then you get um, Jen Peppermint Patty Pasaki. Like, are you kidding me? Like, doesn't she listen to herself? I don't understand. Yeah, and she is rambling all over the place, too. It's like, oh, well, here's sort of the reason. It's like you need a translator for it. Thank you very, very much, John. And by the way, everybody, when we come back, we're going to talk about Eric Adams. And for some reason, he is still intent right now on closing Rikers. He seems that he is set on closing Rikers. Why is he doing it? at a time that crime is surging. I want to play a little bit about what he said today about how he is full-focused with crime. This is Cut 29, and he's full-focused on crime and where things are headed right now. But yet, is this the time to think about closing Rikers and moving neighborhood jails? First of all, for financial reasons, do you want a jail also in your community right now where crime is skyrocketing? I think it is the worst time. But take a listen. This is Eric Adams saying we plan to get to the bottom of it and fight crime. Oh, we, we are continuing to, uh, as I like to say, pivot and shift. Uh, you know, my crime plan is, as you know, is intervention and prevention. And you are going to continually see uh, the improvement in our subway system. You're going to see a complete removal of all of the encampments uh, that we have witnessed. Uh, we are double downing, we're, we're doubling down on our, uh, how we deploy in our police. You're going to see that visual uh, presence of our police. We're moving into the phase of uh, moving police officers from clerical duties. Uh, we're really going to start using our resources and taxpayers' dollars to go after the crime in this, in this city. So he's going after that. So far, they have not put their anti-gun unit on. And they're not actually going to be sort of even plain clothes. They're basically wearing a uniform saying, hi, I am the anti-gun unit. So I don't think they're going to be really undercover. That's one, right? And two, is it the time where we should be looking at closing Rikers? 
I think this is such a disaster. This was a Bill de Blasio plan that is continuing to hold over. There are a number of communities. There was a report uh, that one of the individuals, one of the officials in Chinatown was able to sort of convince Eric Adams not to do it in Chinatown. Then they sort of backed off on that report. But it's basically showing people don't want it in their community right now. Is this the time you want a community jail and you want to close Rikers? Does that make any sense to you guys out there? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is sort of emblematic of what's happening in the rest of the country. Crime soaring, and yet you're still going to go sort of full steam ahead with a plan to put other jails in your community right now? That's the worst place. I wouldn't want a jail right now at a time where crime is soaring. It's bad enough we've got that shoot-up centers, and then you want to put up a jail? Give me a break. Let's go to Norm in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Norm. Your thoughts about this. Yeah, hi, Rita. Um, concerning the closing of Rikers Island, well, there's no point in these blue states of having penitentiaries when criminals aren't being prosecuted and are being released in no-cash-bail woke equity releases. Just look at that poop smear here in New York. 44 arrests and free. As Joe Biden says, come on, man. You know what? That was a pretty good come on, man, uh, line. But you're right. It's like the jails really aren't serving their purpose, sadly. Really, really sad. But a great point. Norm, I love you. You are awesome, always. Let's go to Frank in Queens. Real quick, Frank, your thoughts about this. You just heard Norm say, come on, man. Well, I worked with Eric Adams in the New York City Transit Police. He's nothing but a race hustler and a con artist. He's getting kickbacks from this because he's been meeting with Bo Dietl and your boss, John. Oh, Pesci. my God. Frank, Frank, you are rambling. Cut off the booze. Cut off the booze. Let's go to Mike in Long Island. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts about closing Rikers at a time where crime is skyrocketing. Hi, Rita. Pleasure to talk with you. I'm also retired NYPD lieutenant. Uh, bad idea. I work with Eric. Eric is another crime fighter, okay? He's an empty suit. Uh, closing Rikers with rising crime? No. He don't want to fight crime. If you wanted to fight crime, you go back to broken windows, different policing, just like Rudy did, just like Mayor Bloomberg did, but he, he doesn't want to do it. That's the bottom line. So do you think that this is just all smoke and mirrors? I mean, a lot of the reason for closing Rikers were the problems that we're having at Rikers. I mean, on both sides, the inmates, some of, a lot of them were complaining about problems and, and not good conditions. And then on the flip side, there were also a lot of attack on guards. But many people contend, hey, let's just modernize Rikers. Let's, let's get more officers in there. Let's make sure that everybody gets good training, that it's done appropriately. But to bring them into different communities, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Mike, thank you for the call. We're going to continue with your calls. Is this the time to close notorious Rikers Island at a time where crime is skyrocketing in New York and elsewhere? Is this emblematic of what's happening across the country? 1-800-848-9222. Close Rikers or you want a jail near you? You kidding me? It's the Rita Cosby Show. And at a time where crime is skyrocketing across New York City and so many big cities across the country, there was a plan under Bill de Blasio who said, oh, gosh, we want to close the Rikers jail complex in favor of community jails in basically almost every borough of Manhattan except Staten Island. And Bill de Blasio thought this was a great idea. 
And so far, Eric Adams appears to be full steam ahead on this, even though he is getting a lot of friction. But remember, this is an idea that a lot of people thought was a good one. I don't think you want to have a jail at a time where crime is skyrocketing, creating jails in different locations throughout the city. Is that the right thing to do financially? Is that the right thing to do for safety? Well, here's a number of folks in the past who've supported the closing of Rikers. What do we want? We've been waiting for this for a very long time, and today is the day that we're going to finally get a yes. This is like the happiest day of my life to know that they're closing it officially. Those Rikers, shut it down right now. Right now. This campaign is amazing. This is the one thing that I truly believe in because I, too, was formerly incarcerated on Rikers Island. This will bring a lot of closure to a lot of us. It mean a great deal for the city to bring this sad, sad chapter uh, to to a close and bring the criminal system into a more enlightened period. Absolutely enough, we need justice for black and brown people especially. If we get these opportunities, we can reach the stars. It means everything. It means that the healing begins today. Today we made history. Wow. Well, they are still trying to, it sounds like, make history, but is this the time right now to be moving to community jails to spend the money and the effort and also have jails in a location near you. I don't know how safe you would feel if it was in your backyard. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in the Lower East Side. Real quick, Mike, your thoughts. Uh, how are you, Rita? Yeah. Uh, first, I want to say uh, uh, you can fight crime and and uh, and fight uh, uh, f- fight crime and with bringing in a couple of oh, fight crime and fight the left. We're bringing a couple of million of uh, refugees from the Ukraine. They're all tough, okay, and they're good people. And also, with uh, I remember Giuliani. Wait, 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 wait. Are barges. you sa- are you saying put them on Rikers Island? Is that what you're saying? No, bring them into New York City. Uh, I, I grew up with uh, tough Ukrainian people. They're all good. Good, clean people. Oh, they are. And by the way, they are good, hardworking people for sure who definitely, and listen, love freedom. Let's go to Rob in Westchester. Go ahead, Rob, your thoughts. How are we doing tonight? We're doing okay. What do you think? Rikers keep it open or close it? Absolutely keep it open. You know, you got to keep, you got to treat the criminals like the criminals. This is insane. I know. It's like, well, we want to be better to them. We want to treat them. And listen, you don't want anybody abused but at a time right now where we've got you know people who are you know getting a free pass and bail reform i there, there are just so many issues i i hear you i hear you with that and to me it is an insane time to be thinking about moving and creating these jails what do you think of the idea of having new jails new quote community and more friendly jails in different boroughs what do you think of that idea rob that's insane. It's always taxpayer money. Yeah, I agree. It is absolutely crazy, Rob. I am with you. By the way, everybody, tomorrow is International Women's Day, and I am also going to be doing a couple extra hours on the radio, and I'm also going to be doing a televised sort of a panel. So to find out details, everybody, you can go to RitaCosbyOnline.com. It's between... 10 to 11 on the air, and then we're going to be doing a panel that you'll be able to see with some really superstar women, and also talking about women in the military, women in politics, a whole bunch of stuff, so you don't want to miss it. Check it out on Rita Cosby, online.com.
Women'sDay.com, International Women's Day, which I, I think should be every day. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 